Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Stewardship Leader. I'm your host, Leo Sabo, and with me today is Pastor David Thompson. Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. So today we want to tackle a really important topic. As you guys all know, there's an opposition to teaching in the area of money and possessions, especially as we do it in uh, spiritual places like our churches. Yes. And one of the greatest influencers in our culture when it comes to money and possessions is the spirit of mammon. So today we really want to dig into how does the spirit of mammon really impact our churches? How does it um, influence our people, which we're really ministering to, trying to help them to break free from the spirit of mammon and from the influence of money? Yeah, and you're going to see this in your congregants. You're going to see this in your volunteers. And if you're being really honest, you'll probably see this in yourself from time to time. (laughs) Uh, I think that we've all had to wrestle through this, especially in stewardship ministry. If you've got a heart to help people uh, in their finances and to learn their biblical role as stewards and managers of everything that God has entrusted to them, Mm. then at some point you probably had to wrestle with this and break this spirit. And and we know that we don't break it by our own authority, but by the authority of Jesus Christ. And we know that we're going to wrestle against spirits, uh, not always against flesh and blood. And so there's people that are going to come in and we might think this person yeah. is causing problems, but really there's a spirit behind that person. That's right. And so we're going to hear some key phrases in the natural that may point us back to something spiritual happening. And mm. so we're going to talk about the phrases. We're going to talk about some symptoms of the spirit of mammon. And we're really going to look at why it matters so much that we as leaders are aware just of the different things that we're going to come against in ministry. Uh, yeah. There is a spirit of poverty out there. There is a spirit of um, pride, a spirit of self-reliance, a spirit of materialism. Mm. And today we're going to talk about the spirit of mammon. Right. And we're going to break down some of the unique facets of that. And I think it's going to be a really fun episode. And I think even as we just talk about the spirit of mammon, I think it's best to start with Scripture. Because, Leo, why do, we, why do we keep using this word mammon? Where did this come from? <laughs> well, it's actually in Scripture. So let's look at Luke 16, verses 9 to 15, and I'll read it real quick. And it says, And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. And he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful with unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Wow. Uh, so, as we all know, this is Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're quoting right out of Luke 16, and this is one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. I mean, hands down, as a stewardship pastor, yep. uh, it's this, and then, of course, the um, equivalent in Matthew 6, 24, and Jesus directly calls it out. He says, you cannot serve both God and mm-hmm. mammon. And he yep. weaves in mammon all throughout this. Uh, in verse 9, make friends for yourselves by the unrighteous mammon. In right. verse 11, if you've not been faithful 
in the unrighteous mammon. And finally, he ends up juxtaposing the masterhood of mammon in your life mm-hmm. versus the lordship of God in your That's life. That's right. That's right. And, and as stewards, this is the number one thing uh, is ownership and it's lordship and recognizing who really owns it all and what my role as a manager in God's kingdom is. And what Jesus is telling us here is that there is something and he calls it mammon, and we're going to look at this word, and we'll go back to the Aramaic, but we're going to look at this word, but he calls it mammon, and he says, this is the thing that you may end up serving mm-hmm. instead of serving God. Right. So I can tell you today that in my church, you know, the church where I attend and, and help pastor, and in your church, there are people who are serving mammon instead of serving God. That's right. And, and so Jesus gives us exact clarity on what some of the steps to take are, what are the things that we need to be aware of. And to highlight, this is a real problem that the people dealt with in the first century, right? Jewish people dealt with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll look at, at kind of the history. Uh, it's an interesting word. The, the word mammon, it actually comes from the Aramaic word, which means riches, right? Yeah. And before you go there, David, because I want you to unpack this word for us, but I also wanted to touch on something real quick. When I first came into ministry and I started my full-time position as a stewardship pastor, we had a, another pastor come to our department and spent a, a half a day or so with us. Yeah. And afterwards, he, he asked all of us what was our favorite movie, mm. and we didn't really know why, but then later on he came back, and he had a prophetic word for each one of the members of our team. Oh, yeah. And I at that time, I remember my favorite movie was Lord of the Rings. He also asked, who's your favorite character in that movie? And I said, Frodo. You didn't say Gollum? I did not. <laughs> <laughs> Frodo. Okay, good. Good, good. <laughs> and... Anyway, so he comes back and he gives me this prophetic word. And basically the premise of it was this, that the spirit of mammon was alive and well. Mm -hmm. And he asked me a question. He said, Leo, do you recognize that you're no longer on the defense when it comes to what you're doing? You've actually taken an offense against the spirit of mammon. Your church is in one of the most wealthiest cities in the nation. Yep. And you've basically decided that with this position, you're going to go after people and help them to break free from the spirit of mammon. So he said to me, he says, the spirit of mammon knows your name. And mm. I was like, oh, <laughs> I never thought of that. Yeah, yeah. But in reality, understand that as a stewardship leader, you're not on the defense. You're not just sitting by and watching things. You're literally going after people. And the prophetic word that I had, part of it said that with every credit card that's cut up, with every debt that's paid, with mm-hmm. every uh, gift that's given, I am leading people to their Mount Doom and asking them to cast off. Yeah, to throw right? that ring in there. Yeah, yeah, to throw the ring of power, which is credit cards or mm-hmm. money or wealth or anything mm-hmm. that's unrighteous mammon that has a hold on our heart. Wow. And I thought, wow, I didn't realize how, what God had called me to, but from that moment on, I realized this is a battle, a spiritual battle that we have. So I'm talking to you, stewardship leader. You have taken an offensive position against the spirit of mammon mm-hmm. to try to pull him out, to destroy him, to break his power over your people's lives. And that's a God-given responsibility, and it's a mantle that you carry. And so go into it boldly, but don't be afraid, don't be timid. You have to understand that it does not have the power that God has, and the Spirit of God could overcome the spirit of mammon. So He is our strength. He's the one who helps us to overcome. But God is using us as instruments to deliver the truth 
so that people can be broken free from the spirit of man. Yeah. When you first said that the spirit of mammon knows your name mm-hmm. because you are on the offensive, my, my initial reaction was, wow, like that's a little bit scary. That was mine too. <laughs> and then my second reaction is, well, no duh, yeah. right? Yeah. We're, we're attacking the gates of hell here in this area. That's right. And we win. I mean, Jesus mm-hmm. is on our side, the ultimate authority, and every bit of authority we have is completely in him. And so so he he cast out spirits left and right by just uttering words, and he gives us that same authority to that's do. Right. So, so I'm not actually worried, but my first thought was, wow, that's a little bit intimidating, especially in the area where we live and where we were ministering. Um, it, it's unbelievable at, at Gateway Church. One of our main campuses is yep. in South Lake, Texas, and it is one of the wealthiest areas in the country. Yes. And, and there really is a different spirit that rests over that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have the opportunity to invite the kingdom of God to That's earth right. That's right. and to see that shift. And, and we've seen it. I can tell you right now, we've seen it in the church. We've seen it in our stewardship oh, ministry. Yeah. Oh, we've yeah. seen it in our people's lives. But that's what we want to uh, equip you with today and prepare you with, that there is a spiritual battle that you're on the front lines mm-hmm. and that you're going to get to see this in your people and help them break free from it. That's right. And I love it. Yeah, absolutely. So okay. let's, let's dive into this word mammon. What does it mean? Yeah. What is it all about? Okay. So mammon is an Aramaic word and it means riches. Uh, but the word meaning riches, it really came from the Syrian God of riches and mm-hmm. his name was mammon, right? Right, right? So it's almost a play on words. Jesus is actually saying, use the unrighteous mammon, use riches to make friends for yourself here on earth before you die. But then he turns it at the end and says, you can't serve both God and mammon. So there's a play in this between mm-hmm. actual wealth and riches and then serving the spirit of riches right. and serving the spirit behind, the spirit behind. right? Yes. Exactly. So the tradition of worshiping the God of Syria it actually came from another country. I mean, we're talking here about the Middle East, mm-hmm. heavily influenced by Babylon, right. right? And so this spirit actually came from Babylon. And if you don't remember even the origin story of Babylon, mm-hmm. I can slow down a little bit and I bet you'll catch it. Yep. Babel on, the Tower of Babel That's right. on, right? And Babylon, it means literally sown in confusion and the reason that God sown, you know, sowed them in confusion and their languages in confusion was because they were working to build a tower to heaven on their own. They yeah. were saying, how can I get to heaven without God? How right. do I become self-reliant and not need God in my life? And that's the spirit of mammon, yeah. that self-reliance, that pride, that arrogance. Yeah, it's a spirit of independence. It's, mm-hmm. I don't need God, I can do this on my own. And what I find interesting about the spirit of mammon is that it promises everything that only God can actually provide. Yeah, that's right. So it, provi- it promises fulfillment, happiness, joy. It promises security. And we know that there is no such thing outside of our relationship with God, mm-hmm. that there is no happiness, there's no fulfillment unless we're living in the will of God and the purpose of God. In fact, the further away we get from God, the more of a mess our life becomes. <laughs> and that's what spirit, I've been there. And that's what uh, the spirit of mammon has in store. That's what he plans. He wants to basically fool everyone to think you're on the right path. You have happiness, you have joy, you have everything you need. And then you look around and you realize your life is miserable mm-hmm. because you're missing the very essence of your life, which is God in you. Mm-hmm. And without God, there is no hope. There is no long-term happiness. Mm-hmm. You go from one material thing to another to keep yourself busy, but eventually it leads to emptiness. That's I know right. because I tried to pursue this life. Early on in my, in my marriage and in my young life, I was trying to serve both masters. I was going to church on Sundays, 
But Monday through Saturday, it was the Leo show. And I was miserable. I could not grow spiritually, and I couldn't understand why. But God was basically saying, look, dude, there's only one master here, and either you choose me or you choose the other. You can't have both. And I think this is where people find a real difficult part of their journey to become true followers of Christ and really deeply committed and spiritual, is that they're literally trying to have one foot into the world and the other foot into the kingdom of God. And God says, you have to make a choice. In fact, if yeah. you look at Luke 16, when this whole discourse starts that leads to chapter 16 of Luke, he says, count the cost. Mm, like, don't, yep. don't do this unless you really count the cost, because it's going to cost you your life and everything else. And that's what we're called to do, is not to serve mammon, but to serve God. Yeah, and what's interesting is at the end of that sentence, when Jesus finishes it, you can't serve God and mammon, the Pharisees, <laughs> who were lovers of money, right? right? This is verse 14. Yep. They heard these things, and they derided him. Yeah. So when you come against the spirit of mammon and you begin to preach against um, finding your source and your identity and your security inside of money and materialism, yep. Yep. all of a sudden the people whose hearts are wrapped up in that, yep. they're going to push back. Oh, yeah. And you're going to see gonna it. You're going to visibly see it. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately. <laughs> yes. That's why people don't come to church when you do a stewardship series. <laughs> yeah. They don't want to hear it because in a, in a way, I heard it said this way, you're insulting their God. That's exactly what because it is. Because if mammon is their God and you're insulting him, you're insulting them. And That's they, where their allegiance is. If they worship that God six days a week, mm -hmm. and then and they're used to you one day a week not insulting it, and you come that one day a week and get it insulted, like they're going to end up leaning back towards their God of yep. mammon. Yep. And that's a scary place. And let's, let's bring it back to where we started. This is not a, a fight or a spiritual battle against flesh and blood. It's against mm -hmm. principalities, powers, demons. And we know that this is a battle against the spirit of mammon, not against our people. Our people are, are just unfortunately sometimes caught into oh, yeah, this absolutely. because they're either uninformed or they're still fighting to, to overcome this tug of war that's going on inside of them. Our role as stewardship leaders to help them understand the Word of God, apply the power of the Word of God so that they can break free. And part of what we're going to talk about today is about the 10 symptoms or influences of mammon. Because it's important for us as stewardship leaders to understand these symptoms, because as we see them, as we're ministering to people, teaching, as we see them, we can make sure that we're prepped and ready to overcome and help people overcome uh, these symptoms. To not deal with the symptoms, really, but to understand the symptoms, because we need to go to the root cause. Yes, that's it. So we're going to highlight some of the symptoms, but at the end of the day we as leaders in the body of Christ can know, okay, all of these symptoms are like the weeds, mm -hmm. the flowers on a weed, and I'm not just going to mow over that weed. I'm going to actually get my fork, my, you know, my fork shovel out. That's, uh, that's what I call mine. I don't really know what it's actually called, but it's like this two pronged <laughs> yeah. shovel that, that smashes into the dirt, gets under the root yep, and you push it, it down and it plucks it out. Yep. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to attack the spirit behind these symptoms and then we're also going to see healing come in the symptoms as well, which is going to sure. be neat. We're going to see people physically, um, spiritually, emotionally healed in mm -hmm. these areas. Yeah, marriages healed. Yes. Yep, all kinds of things. Cool. Well, Leo, do you want to share the first? Yeah, let's start with number one. So yep. number one symptom of mammon's influence in a person's life is worry and anxiety over money. And let's just look at this. I mean, rich people have fear and lo over losing money. Poor people fear never having enough. In either case, fear, worry, and anxiety dominates a person's emotions. 
And if you guys remember Matthew 6, 25 to 34, it starts with, do not worry. Mm-hmm. Do not worry. And then it goes on to say, hey, if if I provide for the lilies of the field who are yes. you know, here today and gone tomorrow, but yet they have more splendor than Solomon dressed up, then why would I not provide for you? And then it ends with, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things, everything you need will be provided. So it's important to understand when people worry and have anxiety over money is because they're trusting mammon. They're not trusting God. And that's a clear indicator that something's wrong. Yeah, and and when I take this set of symptoms and I walk my volunteer team through it, every single time we take time to write down a little bit of notes of where we've experienced fear and anxiety around money and to be honest and to reflect on it and to lay it down before the Lord and say, God, is there somewhere today in my life Mm -hmm. that I'm experiencing fear? Some people would say terror (laughs) in the area of finances, because if God is our provider and he's the owner, Mm -hmm. then, then any situation we're in, there doesn't need to be a spirit of fear. Nope. So this spirit of fear is a clear indication that something is attacking us and that our heart may be tied to something that it doesn't need to be tied to. Um, Are there situations that are going to be difficult and that are hard to work through? Yes. But if God's on our side, then all things are possible and we're going to walk through it. And that's why we have our, you know, financial coaches and our volunteer team and stewardship pastors is to help walk people through this. But that fear, that worry and anxiety, that is a symptom Mm -hmm. And it's not always, oh, if you see that symptom, it must be the the spirit of mammon. But it's one symptom, and mm-hmm. it definitely highlights there could be an issue here with mammon. Absolutely. All right, so number two is money mismanagement. This is another symptom of mammon's influence, because mammon wants to really keep everybody in the blind, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. if he can get you to not think too far ahead and just have you uh, worried and reactionary in your decision-making, then... He wins because there's never any order. And we know that our God is a God of order. So therefore, when you have disorder, when you have no idea where your money went, there's no budget, no plan for how to manage it. Uh, and there's plenty of scriptures about this. I mean, we, we know, for instance, Proverbs 21, 20, uh, it says, In the house of the wise, there's stores of choice food and oil, but of but a foolish, foolish man, man devours it. Devours it. Spends <laughs> yeah, it all. Devours everything. Left. Right, right. Yeah, so here is where it's talking about, you know, if you're wise and if you do things according to God's word, according to God's principles of saving and investing and, and delayed gratification, all those things that we are taught through the word of God, especially through the book of Proverbs, so much wisdom in there, then we're able to not have money mismanagement. We take control of it. It doesn't control us. Yeah, that's, that's it. God is a God of order. Mm-hmm. And we're going to take control of the things that he's entrusted to us. And I don't mean in a weird way. I mean in a in a authoritative stance to say, okay, God, you've entrusted this to me. I'm going to take authority over it. He, he In Genesis you know, 1, he creates man in his likeness and in his image to have dominion right. over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, the earth. So I'm going to take dominion mm-hmm. over what you've entrusted to me. And that's my finances. That's the relationships. I mean, I'm going to dominate my relationships, but it means that I'm going to have a, my spirit is going to be in control, not my flesh. Right. I'm not going to let these relationships run rampant. I'm going to take time to steward it, to steward my kids, steward my finances. So especially in the area of finances, mm-hmm. when you see somebody who has no plan in place yeah. and they, they can't account for their money at all, it's another symptom of the yep, spirit of mammon. Absolutely. So the third one is just a consistent financial lack. Mm-hmm. And I think that we've all heard this, you know, there's just too much month 
left at the end of my money, right? So you run out of money, you know, four or five days before the month ends. And what do you do? Well, that consistent financial lack, uh, not having a budget, and that leads you to a spending pattern where you constantly exceed what you have in the bank or in Mm -hmm. your paycheck. Um, And here's the tricky part of this. This is where really the spirit of mammon speaks to you and lies to you. It says that, you know, if you could just make more money, Mm -hmm. if you could just earn a little more, then you would solve your problems. Right, right. Money can solve your problems. Yeah. That's what it's saying. It's it, promising yeah. that money would solve your problem. Yeah. I mean, you get to the end of the month and you have this moment where, and I, I've, I don't know that I've had this, but I've definitely talked to people that have had this moment and, uh, they say, Ooh, I either need God to come through mm-hmm. or I just need some more money. Wow. And, and you've literally just put money on the throne side by side with God <laughs> yeah. in your life. One or right? the other has got to pay off. One or the other. I, wow. I either need money to take care of me or I need God to take care of me. And that is a symptom of the spirit of mammon. Yes, yes. Another symptom is I can't afford it mentality. Uh, this, this puts the focus on money rather than God as a source, right? Because it really says that there's a lack of satisfaction. I can't afford it. God's holding out on me. I don't have enough. This is something that we were made aware of, my wife and I, years ago, because we used to say that to our kids. We used to say, we can't afford that, or don't ask for anything because we don't have the money for it. And we, from some teaching, some training, we realized that that kind of speaking was actually putting the emphasis on the spirit of mammon and saying that God was holding out. And then the spirit of mammon, of course, our kids would hear that and say, well, what's up with that? I mean, why, why can't we afford it? And now they're looking at money as being the source. And maybe there's inner vows that are made that says, when I get older, I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to struggle. I'm never going to say no to my kids. And now you're making inner vows that's taking you or your children in a totally different direction. And what's important here to understand is that it affects the poor and the rich alike. It's not a dollar amount. It's a mindset. It's a belief. Uh, It's also a mental stronghold that's coming from a lack of determining how much is enough. If you don't know how much is enough for you and your family, then that's always subjective to how you feel, to whether you have money in the moment or you don't. And of course, what I see over and over, David, is that all of these symptoms kind of play on each other. Yeah, Oh, absolutely. Right? Right now, if I'm feeling that way, I can't afford it. Fear, worry, anxiety over money. You know, a lack of contentment, all of that built up right into it. And now I'm, you know, kind of in a frenzy and I just want an answer. And the answer is not, I'm going to trust God. It's maybe I'm going to go do something illegal. Or yeah. maybe I'm going to oh, get that yeah. second job and, and pull myself up and make myself a successful person. And it talks about being not trusting in God, but trusting in yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's where you run into people who steal from their company. They yeah. embezzle funds. Yep. Uh, they lie on their taxes. And I mean, honestly, honestly, I, I've, I do my taxes and I get to the end of the year and I see places where I'm like, where the spirit of mammon actually, like I'd probably hear it more there oh, yeah. than yeah. almost anywhere else in my life. Do at that time of it's year. very rare for me to, I can't think of a time where I've walked into a store in the past 10 years and I yeah. thought, oh, I just maybe should take that thing. Or a time where I thought, oh, with my company or with the church, I should, mm-hmm. I should just take this thing. And, and no, yeah. but when it comes to tax time and even, you know, some of the political thoughts that go through my mind and yeah. all of a sudden I'm like, oh, the government doesn't deserve all this money. Like I'm, I could... I could put this thing in here and, and, but it's, it's just a lie. It's just an attack. And it's just, it's something that, that I have to be aware of in that moment. And it doesn't plague me every year, but I have had that thought. Oh yeah. And, and that's how, you know, there's something there 
that is speaking to you, mm-hmm. that there's a spirit. And and in the moment, you just address it. You just yeah. call it out and say, no, this is a lie. Right. I'm, I'm completely provided for by God. Right. Uh, I'm blessed beyond, you know, personal, my wildest dreams. Like I'm blown away by, you know, by my spouse, uh, where I live, the work I get to do. Like I get to take a moment and focus on the things I'm grateful for yeah, and good. then just break it right then. But yep. uh, so that's another one. Um, the fifth symptom is impulse buying. And, you know, <laughs> I can't tell you how many people I've run into in the church as we're going through their budget. And they're mm. just like, I don't even know why I bought that. I just, right. I was at the store and it was on sale and not a big sale, just like a dollar off. And I had to buy it. And just you know, in that moment, or for me, you know, Groupon back in the day and mm. the, the timer would click down and be like, you have, you know, one hour to buy this special deal. Yep. It came back the and next never day. Never come again, sale and bargain. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but you're purchasing what you don't need. And it often goes unused a few days after you purchase it. And this is a pattern yep. of people who don't have a plan in place. They're not managing well. And it's a pattern that you see in somebody who's struggling with the symptom of mammon. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's always it's always wrapped around an immediate, like you're going to lose something or you're going to miss out on something. And so it's important that if you realize that when you're training people in this area, you need to bring that ability for them to make decisions that are not emotional, but they're thought through planned decisions. So for us, when we're training people how to do this and just congregation members, when we're doing these classes, they're very practical in nature. It's let's create a budget and then let's add to that what we call an impulse buying list. And this list basically says you can only have one item that you can purchase at any given time and you have to put it on the list and you have to wait at least two weeks as much as 30 days Mm -hmm. before you purchase it because it'll give you time to think it through to see if it's an emotional trigger if it's something you want right now and it'll also give you time to research to make sure you're getting the best deal and the best bargain for the item so if it is something you really want then wait two three weeks four weeks and if it's still something you want and you have the resources to do that then that's fine you could buy it but buying in the moment over and over and over again is what's put people into bondage. Yeah. And that's another symptom of mammon. Yeah, that bondage is a telltale sign yes. <laughs> that the symptom of mammon is at play because, because the enemy always comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Mm-hmm. And if he can lock you in bondage to debt, yeah. um, to anything, yeah. he's When winning. you're devoted to something else, you right. have no time to devote to God or to your family or the things that matter. That's, ac- that's exactly it. All right, so uh, another one is just stinginess. Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, you know, you see that all over the place from people who are afraid to tithe. Yeah. Uh, not even from the inability, like, financially to afford it, per se. Because right. I, can, I can see where somebody's struggling with the spiritual battle of, okay, do I really believe this principle? Do I truly believe God is my provider? I can understand a wrestle with that when you're sure. a new Christian. Sure. But but you have people who who it's not a financial issue at all. Mm. It's just stingy. It's right. like, oh, I, I just, I don't want to give this month. Right. I'm like, really? Like, who who's your provider? Who <laughs> who called you? Who redeemed you? Uh, who, who does it all belong to? And you get the opportunity to bring just a portion. Yeah. And honor him and put him first. So a fear of tithing or giving, a fear that I won't have enough. And so I'm not even going to look at outside of my own purview. I'm only yeah. going to look at myself and my family. I'm not going to look to others. And that's such a hard question to satisfy. Mm-hmm. Unless you sat down and said, how much is enough? And the only way that you can do that, honestly, is to, to have a very clear plan for your finances, have a goal for savings, have a goal for giving, have a goal for all the things you're doing. And I think when you do that, you can say, okay, I've set aside everything I need for this month, for next month. 
I have money set aside and savings for the next six to months to 12 months, whatever. And you get to that place where I believe God will allow you to say, okay, I need this much. And yeah. then when he blesses you beyond that, then you should be able to clearly see it's that easy. it's a blessing. Mm-hmm. This is something that I learned early on when I first started managing money God's way. I set a budget and I was really struggling at first. But then once I paid off the debt, I started seeing a little bit of margin and I increased that margin and finally started saving for the things, the right things, saving for college, for our kids, for you know different things that we needed to do that we knew we hadn't done and we were behind. But once we did that and we met all our needs and our income continued to grow, now all of a sudden we got a surplus. Like, okay, see, I knew we had enough, but I didn't know that until I started managing it well. And I think that's important to understand. Unless you sit down and answer the question, how much is enough? You're never going to be able to answer that. And you're always going to have the spirit of mammon influencing you and helping or pushing you toward being greedy and stingy. Yeah. And, you know, we've got a roadmap on our website uh, that we give to the people in our congregation and to our volunteer team. And step one always includes putting together a plan. But actually, the, the first step is to put God first. Yeah. So we always say, put God first, bring the first portion, honor the Lord with the tithe. But then we go into creating a written plan. And then we move into starting to remove debt from your life. But in every single step in the journey, mm. we actually include a place for you to hear from the Lord and ask how he wants you to be generous. And we yeah. start by putting him first in step one. But in step two, even while we're paying off debt, we're looking for the opportunity to be generous. Yeah. And so uh, it, it's, it's not debt reduction is my entire focus of life. Right. Because now I'm serving debt reduction. It's like, no, Lord, what do you want me to do? Right. And some of that is an inspired generosity from the Lord. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean I'm giving to the church. I could be giving to another organization. I could be giving to a family member. I could be holding the door open for somebody and sacrificing my time, my energy. But I'm looking to break the stinginess with generosity. Right. Uh, the third is very similar, is greed. And it's just an unhealthy, or the seventh is an unhealthy desire to acquire and possess. Right. Um, a desire to have more of what you already have. Mm-hmm. We obviously see this all throughout our world system. Um, and God's the one that has promised to provide for our needs. Right. And so if I'm self-reliant and pursuing finances and greedy for money, then I'm I'm actively operating against what God is doing in my life because I'm pursuing it instead of saying, Lord, what do you want to do? Right. So that's the seventh one. So number eight is discontentment. And Philippians 4, 11 to 13 really is a great scripture here to look at an example of how Paul learned to be content. And so discontentment comes from the fact that we've not learned to be content. I mean, bottom line, that's what it is. Philippians 4, 11 says... Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. So God is our source, right? We, we must never allow our circumstances to influence us to become discontent mm. because it goes back to the fact that we trust that he's a good God, that he's going to provide. Now, the thing that makes us sometimes discontent is that we create expectations in our own hearts and minds. We expect to live at a certain lifestyle. We expect to do certain things. And when that doesn't happen according to our plan, then we tend to sometimes blame God and say, God, I, I'm serving you. I'm giving, I'm doing everything. How come you're not meeting my needs mm. or my expectations? And really, it's about defining what is a need and what is a want. Yeah. I have never done without. Now, I'm not saying I've never been, you know, in a, in a position where there wasn't, wasn't a lot. 
I mean, I grew up in a communist country, mm-hmm. so I know what it is to go without eating. I know what it is to sit in line for the basics for two to three hours every day. But we still survived. We had what we needed to live another day. And as long as we don't put conditions on how God's going to provide for our needs, we cannot be disappointed because he's always going to be generous toward us. Now, for most of us who listen to the podcast, we are more than blessed. We, right. we have so many resources that this idea of not having enough is almost foreign to us, mm-hmm. that we have more than our basic needs met. So we shouldn't struggle with it. But again, it goes back to have we set an expectation and expect God to meet it, or have we just trusted God to provide what's needed? Yeah, and what you'll notice with each one of these symptoms is that they affect both the rich mm-hmm. and the poor. That's right. It's not just people who are, are really tight financially that struggle with discontentment. You can see somebody who is super wealthy mm-hmm. and has has more resources than they could probably ever use in a lifetime, yeah. and yet they're still discontent. And yet there's still a hole there. They never learned contentment like Paul did. Yeah. And and the perspective that we live in in America is unbelievable. I mean, Leo, I, I went to your childhood home mm. in Romania, yeah. and you showed me the size of the room that you shared with your siblings. And then when you moved to America and you guys lived in an apartment with your family, extended family, and everybody was crammed into this small one, two-bedroom apartment, yeah. and you guys even were on the in the um the awning like what, yeah. what's it called you know, it, yeah it was an enclosed porch an enclosed <laughs> really porch and that's where you guys slept it wasn't heated and or anything it wasn't heated and this is in, this is in, in chicago, chicago right? right so so i mean just our perspective of in america it's it's to the point now where we have more bedrooms than we have people in yeah. our homes oh yeah right by far and more TVs than we have people in our homes yeah and usually the same number of cars as we have people in our homes mm. and and we're still discontent. We have running water, we have electricity, we have yeah. heat, we have carpet on our floors, and, and yet there's still something that says, yeah. no, it's not enough, God. You didn't provide. I didn't get this thing I wanted. Well, it speaks to the influence of the spirit of Ammon. I think when we wake up to that, we realize that we are actually really, really blessed. And yes. that's what I love about talking about this and exposing these symptoms of the spirit of Ammon is that it breaks the power that they have, mm-hmm. right? Because it just gives us the knowledge to know and remind ourselves, God is good. He's always provided. He's always been faithful, and we have nothing to fear. And so this idea of being discontent is really something we need to wrestle with, and we need to repent from, and just allow God to bring that joy and that blessing and that favor that we already have, but just help us to understand it and embrace it. Yeah. The ninth symptom of the spirit of mammon is uh, just bondage to debt. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. is huge in the U.S. The stats are staggering. But this is when you have, have basically mortgaged your personal future. You yeah. said, I'm going to put myself into bondage and force my future self to pay this debt. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign my name on something today to promise that in the future I will take care of it. And this is something that, that our world, especially in the U.S., our world system mm. yeah. is built around the credit system, is built around the use of debt. And, and it is very easy to go a little too far and to be sold yes. by somebody who sets an improper expectation in your heart. You can afford this much house. That's you right. deserve to drive this kind of vehicle. You deserve to eat what you want. You deserve to live where you want. You should have the best education, you want. experiences yep. you want. And so this is something that our world encourages, but 
only the Lord can set us free in this area because it's not, it's not a financial issue. It's a heart issue. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen people that have paid off all their debt because from a world perspective, they said, okay, I'm going to fix my finances, but really their heart wasn't right. Right. And so even though they got out of debt, they just went right back into it. So this is something again, where we say, okay, there is a spirit behind this. Mm -hmm. And how do we address that spirit as opposed to just a symptom? Well, let's finish up with number 10. Number 10 is exaggerated emphasis on money and the overestimate of its true power. And this is something where people will consistently talk about money or they're dominated by money conversations. And and they're also impressed by people who have money. This is something that, gosh, we see that in our culture all the time. We look at these successful people that are now billionaires and we want to be them, right? I mean, and this is something that unfortunately is one of those influences that Mammon is really, really pushing us to to buy into, that if we get to this level, and I've even heard people, literally spiritual Christian people say, if I had more money, then I can do more for God, Mm -hmm. which basically says that money (laughs) allows you to be a better servant of God. But wait a minute, if God owns everything, do you think he needs to give you money in order to do a good job? No. No. He can literally make everything appear out of nothing. He speaks it into existence. So... It's, but again, it reveals that there's something in our hearts that says it, and that should wake up our ears to hear, like, wait, I just said that. Like, I'm putting too much emphasis on money. Money is not the answer. It's never the answer. It's simply a tool that God has given us to accomplish our purpose. But it's never supposed to be primary in our lives. And if we allow it to be, then we become servants of that. Yeah, And servants right. of the Spirit behind that money. That's right. So let's just run back through those 10 real quick. One, uh, just the symptoms of mammon's influence, worry and anxiety uh, over money, money mismanagement, a consistent financial lack, the I can't afford it mentality, impulse buying, stinginess, greed, discontentment, bondage to debt, and finally that exaggerated emphasis on money, the overestimation of what money can do versus God's true power. And so as you look back on these, it's important to take a second and reflect first as Mm -hmm. the leader in the ministry, okay, Lord, what are you speaking to me? Right. Okay, God, I mean, like right now, like to David Thompson in this moment, God, what are you saying to me? Is there one of these 10 things? Yeah. Uh, you take a moment, Lord, pause, pause the episode and say, God, is there something that you need to reveal in my life from one of these 10 symptoms that I can take, not I, but you, Lord, can take, you know, take on and say, Lord, we're going to break this today. And you have a part to play in that. Um, so first, reflect on that. Second, I think it's important for you just to be looking for these as a leader with your congregation and with your volunteer build team, mm-hmm. uh, or we call it our build team, but our, your volunteer team. Uh, I do this with all of the stewardship volunteers that I train, mm-hmm. and I take them through this list, and I have them take a few moments to write down where they've believed lies from the enemy and where they've fa- fallen back in this, yeah. and then take a moment to address it because I want their heart to be clean. So th- be looking for where you can do this with your volunteers. And then finally, I just want to emphasize, um, yeah, there is this spirit. Okay, here's the big deal. Jesus, in Luke 4, 18, yeah. uh, he came to do a few different things. So mm-hmm. one, he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and finally to set at liberty 
those who are oppressed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jesus came to set at liberty That's those right. who are oppressed. Right. So I'm not worried about the spirit of mammon because because he highlighted it to me. He said, David, you can't serve God and mammon. So he showed me that that was there. So the first step is to say, okay, Lord, I recognize that I need help. Mm-hmm. And if you personally, as you're listening, you need help, great. Reach out to a Christian friend or brother. Reach out to Leo or I. Right. We are literally in ministry alongside of you. That's right. You can email us. You can call us. We want to help you. So first recognize it because that's why Jesus highlighted it. And then two, submit it to the Lord, resist the lies of the enemy and repent Yeah, and say, Lord, okay, if money mismanagement has been the issue, God, I want to lay that down. I want to repent for that. If worry and anxiety has been the issue, God, I want to lay that worry and anxiety at your feet. I want to bring it to your altar and say, God, I'm no longer going to carry this because I'm going to believe the truth that you're my provider. That's right. And that if I am truly shifting my heart and repenting and I'm a good steward and I have a plan in place that you're going to honor that and Lord, you're going to provide and God, that you're going to bless the work that I do. So recognize you need help, submit, resist and repent. And then also recognize that as a leader, you've been given authority by Jesus Christ. If you believe in Jesus, literally every believer has this authority. Mm -hmm. You can speak and these demons will flee. The spirit will flee. And so Jesus spoke to the demoniac and 2,000 plus demons left, the legion of demons left into a a, bay of pigs into the bay, right? So this is not hard. Uh, This is not spooky or weird. Literally, you just take control over it. Enemy, it's time to leave. Spirit of mammon, it's time to leave. If you have a volunteer who comes and says, hey, I've been struggling with this, great. The two of you take authority as believers in Jesus Christ and send it out. And then finally, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Because if this spirit is gone, then we want to be fully and completely filled with the Spirit of God. That's right. And so that's the process. Uh, Now, along with that process to heal these different areas, there are a ton of great tools and resources right. to use in stewardship ministry. And that's why we have workshops and, um, you know, courses and biblical teaching and preaching notes. That's why CSN exists, mm-hmm. is to help Christian leaders connect. And that as stewardship pastors, we can find out good resources from each other. We can learn from each other. And then we can use these tools to go serve our people. That's right. Thank you, David. Yes, I mean, one of the most important things that we care about is how you are able to minister to others. But that can't happen unless you yourself are healed, unless you are in authority and believe that God is working in and through you. And one of the things that I want to say is that we will continue to fight these spirits. And we, unfortunately, we're in the flesh and we'll still have to fight those spirits. So as David talked about when he was talking about the having to worry about sometimes the, the thoughts coming in, should I claim this on my taxes or should I save the money? This is something we all battle, but it doesn't need to go any anywhere further mm-hmm. than a thought. Mm-hmm. And we can shut it down. Take it captive. We, can, we can take it captive. We can speak the word of God. We can uh, exercise our authority as as children of God. In fact, the, the word says that the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lies in us, meaning we can do everything Jesus did. This is the authority he's given us. You have that authority in, in you, to exercise over your own life or the people in your life, but also to those that God is asking you to lead. So we ask you that you would boldly speak with authority when you're teaching these classes, that you take the fight, take the offense to the enemy, right? Yes. We are we are revealing these symptoms for the purpose of helping you to recognize them when they come up and then address them. When you're building classes, when you're teaching, make sure that you're speaking to these things. This is what the Word of God is going to do. 
It's going to set people free because the truth of the word of God is what breaks the bondage. It's not our authority. It's not the knowledge that we have. It's his word that does it. And all we have to do is just exercise it by speaking it and having that authority as we're leading in this ministry. So I just want to thank you for doing that. I know that this is your heart's desire. I know the reason you're listening is that you would be a better stewardship leader. So I want to thank you for being in this ministry. I want to thank you for joining us for this Stewardship Leader podcast. If you enjoyed it, please share it with someone else. Um, Share it with another leader. Maybe you have another friend or ministry partner that is also in the same trench with you. Share with them. Let them be encouraged. Let them be equipped. You can also subscribe to this podcast, and you could do so on the Apple Podcast app or your favorite podcast app. This is uh, going to help us to just rank better so that we can make this podcast easier to find for others. You can also rate and review it. Uh, while you're there, and which will help us even more. To learn more and gain access to other episodes and content, you can also visit us at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. Our CSN annual forum is just a few weeks away, and we just love for you to be part of that. Uh, Come join us. This is a two-day event that will revolutionize your stewardship ministry. You can learn from the best stewardship leaders that practice today, and you can get the knowledge and support that you need to take your ministry to the next level. You can find out more about it and register on our website. And remember, God has called you to be the best steward you can be. So be that faithful steward, but don't stop there. Teach someone else to do the same.